Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. Thanks, dads, for being such good sports this, this morning. I know what it's like to be put on the spot like that, and you were absolutely fantastic wherever you are. I wonder if we could give it up again for the dads. Thank you, you know. It's not always, you know, most comfortable. You don't know what the kids are going to say or do. But I thought you were absolutely fantastic. You really were. Just a couple of things that I just want to say to you just before we, um, we launch into this series and co- continue um, with the series that we've been going through. Um, first of all, it is really great to see so many people here and uh, people who I don't know. And that's always a, a good thing. Um, Arena Church is, is, it consists of one church but in two locations. So we have the Mansfield location and we also have the Ilkeston location. And they're now meeting at the same time, 10.30. And it's just good to see the numbers growing and increasing and swelling. And it's just good to see new faces, new people of all ages. And that's exactly what we are wanting to build here uh, at Arena Church. It's my joy to be one of the leaders of Arena Church. And I've been doing that for 17 years. So I know I don't look old enough. I started when I was 12. Um, but um, <clears throat> we've, we've, we've been here for a, a long while now. And, uh, and I'm actually a Mansfield boy, so I was, I was raised here for the first 18 years. That's why I've got this accent, and uh, it's just really, really great to see all that God is doing here in, in this great town of Mansfield. There's been some great changes politically here, which I don't want to go to, but, you know, the world is changing. The world is changing, and uh, thankfully, the, uh, the church continues to change, and we're believing by God's grace that actually... The, the, the landscape of churches across Mansfield is going to change to the glory of God. Can I hear a big amen? amen. That we're going to see God's kingdom come in power and authority over this whole area. It was a joy to be able to purchase this building um, a few years ago after pioneering the, the church here. And um, there's been a lot of work that's gone on. You can see for those who were part of the early days, we walked in here and uh, I remember Paul saying to me, due to his police background, that back room smelt of marijuana, didn't it? And I had no idea what that was. I says, oh yeah, it's strong uh, smell of marijuana in here. And, you know, the walls were black and there were the smell of beer, you know, on the floors and all kinds of things that were in this building. And we bought this building and then renovated it. And it's been through a couple of phases that we've, we've taken it through to the point where we are now. We sat here and we're enjoying this. But there's been a desire from the leadership team to just look at ways in which we can move the building forward. And as, as, as many of you are aware, and this is just as an announcement, an update, we were, we were actually looking at um, uh, trying to um, go in for grant funding for about a million pounds which would have enabled us to have done the upstairs. There's a, still about a 380-seater cinema tiered um, seating that runs down, and there's rooms up there. And, and uh, they, they, the QS's report said that actually it would be about £3.5 million pounds to, to do it. But we believe that we could have done it for about a million pounds. But anyway, we put that grant funding in. But unfortunately, it wasn't successful. So we've not been able to move forward uh, on that. Now, what I do want to say is, you haven't got to be panicking and thinking, what are we going to do? Because the first step really is to fill this room. To fill the, and we've still got a lot of growth. I mean, just turn your heads, just tilt and look at the back. We've still got all that area there. And we've got chairs that are ready to be put out. So we're not stressed for space. We're really not. We just, we, we, you know, we, we've got room to grow into it. 
But it is still our heart and our intention to look at how we can develop in the coming uh, months and years, how we can develop this building. All I want to say on this, God didn't give us this building, the size of this building, just to live in the ground floor. Because if he had a done, if he'd have just wanted to have this space, he'd have given us a smaller building. But he gave us a bigger building because he wants us to grow into it. Can I hear an amen? So we know it's the part of our destiny is to develop the upstairs areas but it's just a matter of we'll just wait patiently and we'll keep walking forward into all that God has for us that said what I do want to say is we put a grant in for the ground floor of the rear just here not the upstairs room but there's some big rooms around here in the boiler house and the double garage to convert those into um, you know offices and some really big Uh, breakout rooms that can be used for children and for young people and can be used during the week for prayer and different things and we put a grant in uh, for that and we got 45,000 pounds so that's terrific isn't it so we're able to now get on with that so that will be starting to happen over the next nine months we've had the architect in and we're just looking at what we can do with that so I just wanted to give you an update the guys have said to me look Paul had said look you must give the people an update so is that okay you're happy about that I don't want you to be you know despondent you know God is on the throne we don't need to be in the hands of other people you know with regards to funding you know Robert knows all about funding and all how all that works but you know God is with us God is for us God is meeting our needs amen and we're just thrilled by all that God is doing amongst us I wonder if you've got your Bible if you turn with me to Ephesians in chapter 1 and we're just finishing off this series as we've gone through four steps four principles that are key to arena church Christine's already invited you to growth track and these are some of the the material that we'll actually be going through but this is the preach material rather than the teach material that you're going to be going through if you're going to be staying on afterwards and it's based around four steps four thoughts four principles four values that we actually believe here at Arena Church we 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 use the the phrase essentials and um and, and, and I just want to take the passage of scripture that hopefully will help us to just really cement this. So it's found in Ephesians and chapter 1 and, um, and verse 16. So Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 16. And this is what it says. I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father may give you the spirit of revelation so that you may know him better. Secondly, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. I don't know whether we've got the message version on the screen, but this is what it says in the message version of that same passage. I ask, ask the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning. In knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear, so that you can see exactly what he is calling you to do, to grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life that he has for his followers. Josh, a couple of weeks ago, took the thought from Ephesians in chapter 1, 
from these passages of Scripture, because Paul is basically addressing two thoughts here initially, and Josh addressed those. One, that we should know God. He wants us to know God. We want, need to know God personally. But we also need to walk into the fact that God wants us to find freedom. We see that clearly because he says that he wants his, our eyes to be focused and clear. There needs to be an unveiling. There needs to be a freedom that comes to all of our lives. Last week, Stephen spoke about how we can discover our purpose. And again, we see where Paul is saying that he, he want, God wants us to see exactly what he is calling you to do. So he wants us to go from a point where we actually know God, where we find freedom, and where we discover our purpose. And the fourth thing that Paul is addressing in this prayer, because that's what it is, he makes this statement at the end. He says that he wants us to know the, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. There is a point in which that God is wanting each believer, each follower of Christ, to not only know God, not only find freedom, not only discover your purpose, but then you're released to go and make a difference. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, if that's okay. I want to talk about how God is wanting to lead us into making a difference. But before I do that, these steps really, you may have heard this said before, but really what it is, what it, why it's so helpful for me is because in many ways a pastor's job is that of a tour guide. And what we want to do, the, the leaders of this church, we want to lead you from one step into another step, into another step, into another step, and keep moving you along the steps. What do I mean by that? Well, the shepherd's job was to take the sheep and take them into green pastures. And then once they'd fed and they'd, you know, ate what they needed, then to move them again into another green pasture and to keep moving them along the steps. And that is, in, in, in essence, what we're trying to do with Growth Track. We're trying to help people to really establish, we're not on about just knowing about God, we want you to know God personally. We want you to know Him with all your heart, have that relationship with Him. We don't just want you then to just know about God and then just live the old life. We want you to then find freedom. And it's possible, you know, as Christ's followers, to come into freedom. You know, some of the old stuff that can so weigh us down. I was hearing a story of a lady and she said she'd, she'd been a churchgoer for 50 years, but it's only been in the last you know, 20 years that actually she really knew Jesus because of some of the stuff that she'd allowed to just keep hold of her. And some of you would resonate with that. You may have been brought up in church. You may have known about Jesus and read the Bible and, and, and loved him, but you just weren't free. And God's bringing us in this point into a place where we find freedom. We, we, we're just free in our spirits. We're free in our minds. I tell you what, you know when somebody's really free, they're just free. There's just a lightness in the spirit. But then it's not just about knowing God and finding freedom. You then want to move people on to discover their purpose. Every single one of us has a purpose that rests over our lives. And what I've realized is most people don't know what that is. 
I'm not talking about job-wise. I'm talking about what has God placed you to be? You know, you are wired the way you are because God wired you the way you are. You are you, the Bible records that you were, you were knitted together in your mother's womb. I am so glad that there's only one of me. And everybody said, Amen. There is only one of me, temperamentally, and how I look, and just how I think. And I, I just celebrate, if I can say, I celebrate how God has created me to be. And you need to start celebrating how God has created you to be. Because God has placed a distinct purpose over your life. I think the way I do because God has programmed me that way. I like doing the things I do because God has programmed me that way. I get great satisfaction that would be very different to Paul through, through work and whatever. That's, is Paul right and I'm wrong? Of course not. It's how God has created us to be. But we have to discover our purpose. But then we've got to go and make a difference. And just in the time that we've got, it doesn't need to be a lengthy message, but I do just want to lay this in, this whole thought of how we can go and make a difference. Before I do that, many people think, well, that's fine, but Christian, you're talking to the wrong person because God can't do anything with me. Well, let me tell you what God took. I read this numbers of years ago and I've always struck a chord in me. And if you've heard it before, just stay with me. But, you know, if some of us feel like God can't possibly use us, we need to remember, Noah, these are all characters from the Bible, by the way. Noah, he was a drunk. Abraham, he was too old. Isaac, well, he was a daydreamer. Jacob, he was a liar. Joseph, he was abused. Leah, well, she was ugly. That's the Bible, what it says. That wasn't my, me saying it, okay? Just ease up a little bit, okay? <laughs> Moses, he had a stuttering problem. Gideon was afraid. Samson had long hair and was a womanizer. Rahab, she was a prostitute. Jeremiah and Timothy, they were far too young. David, he was an adulterer. Andy was a murderer. Elijah, well, he was suicidal. Isaiah, Preach naked. Get that image out of your mind now as I'm sharing this word. Okay. Jonah ran far from God. Naomi was a widow. Job, he went bankrupt. John the Baptist, he ate bugs. Peter, he denied Christ. The disciples, well, they fell asleep. Martha, she worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced more than once. Zacchaeus, he was too small. Paul was too religious, Timothy had an ulcer, and Lazarus, he was dead. There's a whole list of reasons why God can't possibly use us, and yet God used every single one of these men and women to go and make a difference. God wants to make a difference through your life. God wants to make a difference in your life. If you don't know Jesus this morning, God wants to make a difference in your life. He really does. There's no trickery. There's no magic tricks. It simply comes by you accepting. We sung it this morning that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And we present our lives to him and say, just take all of me. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And he will make a difference in your life. And then what amazingly happens is he makes a difference in your life so you can then go and make a difference in the lives of others. That is remarkable. 
That is the genius of this gospel. It was never be that God came to planet earth so you would be fine and you would be sorted and you then selfishly live your lives how you want to be, you know, the joy of Jesus. That's why the old type of church, and I can say that because I've been in since day one, I've been in church, it was fundamentally flawed because it was all very self-absorbed. Bless me kind of meetings. Wonderful. And we want to celebrate. We want to worship. We want to enjoy the, the, the atmosphere and the presence of God. But Jesus makes a difference in us. So then we will go and make a difference in others who are far away from him. Can I hear a big amen? Because I'm feeling a bit insecure up here. I'll say again. Can I hear a big amen? amen. If that is the truth. So God wants to make a difference in our lives. He wants us to know God, to find freedom, to discover the purpose, and to make a difference. If we're going to make a difference, we need to seize every moment of every day. Some of you are on a journey to go deeper into the things of God. This is just a book that I just encourage you to read. It's called The Ragamuffin Gospel. It's not an easy read. You've got to bend your head around it. I usually take a chapter at a time. It's written by an an ex Catholic priest who had a radical conversion and I've just been working through working my way through it. the guy now by the name of Brennan Manning don't be uh, you know uh, same as uh, what's the guys Bernard Manning okay it's Brennan Manning if anybody's interested in in knowing it but in here it writes he comments on a columnist who I've never heard by the name of Irma Bombeck And in a column, she wrote this. If I had my life to live over again. I'm going to use this as a series title because it really gripped me when I read it. And this is what she wrote in a column. If I had my life to live over again, I would have invited friends over to dinner, even if the carpet was stained and the sofa faded. I would have sat on the lawn with my children and not worried about grass stains. I would never have brought anything just because it was practical. When my child kissed me impetuously, I would never have said, later, I'll get washed up for the dinner. There would have been more I love you's, more I'm sorry's. But mostly, given another shot at life, I would seize every moment. I would look at it and really see it and I would really live it and I would never give it back. You see, each moment of our existence, we are either growing into more or retreating into less. Woo! There's a statement. I'll repeat that again because it's worth saying. Each moment of our existence, we are either growing into more or retreating into less. We are either living a little more or dying a little bit more. I, for one, don't want to just go through even this moment that I have with you and the clock's ticking, I have 11 minutes, to not seize every moment, to look into the whites of your eyes. And with every ounce of passion and every ounce of Jesus in me, not implore you to embrace this life that God has given you. 
to allow God to make a difference in you. And then for God to work his purposes through your life so you can go and make a difference in others. But most people don't live like that. Because either they become too self-absorbed in their life or they actually believe that God can't possibly use someone like you. And I want to say to you in the latter, God, you are the right kind of person that God wants to use and bless. And when I use the word use, it has a negative connotation, but just that vessel that can be used for something that just blesses and serves others. You see, we get hung up on this whole thought of making a difference because we automatically think in church life that it has to be a preacher like me. Oh, a God, Christian, he would make a tremendous difference because look, he has the opportunity to speak and share or it's some great Church personality that if you watch any Christian channels you see. and Or those people who write books, Christian books, they're really making a difference. I want to say that can be the case, but please don't excuse popularity or fame or a public platform equates to making a difference. Because I actually believe that those who are making a difference usually are the people who never get on a platform, who nobody ever knows about, and yet they're making an incredible difference in the world. Can I hear an amen? They're people who are serving. I love what Brian Houston says. Let's hope I quote it correctly. That he said about Hillsong Church. Hillsong Church is not built on the talents of few, but on the sacrifice and hard work of many. He understood that everybody's saying how wonderful Brian Houston is, but he realizes he isn't that wonderful. The church of Jesus Christ is not advancing because of Brian Houston. It's advancing because of the people who are connected to the church of Hillsong. They are the real heroes. They're the people who are making an incredible difference. So if I can just point out, there are people here who are making an incredible difference. In this community, I have to just comment, Glennis, just the shop and just years and years and years and numbers of years starting to come. And guys who've championed the small groups and those small group leaders, those guys, I've got to make, make mention again, I keep mentioning it, but it doesn't come about. Egg custards, cakes, you make cakes, you do beautiful food. I know I always run the risk of getting in trouble, but, you know, John and Margaret, I know this for fact. They've just served and made cakes and baked meals for neighbors and friends and family. Nobody would know anything about it. It's probably the first time. You've made an incredible difference in so many people's lives. Your reward is going to be, I think, probably a very big mansion. Possibly. Yeah, you've thought about that. And John, let's hope it has a golf course on it as well. What I'm trying to say is this. You know, the smallest thing that you do, that nobody ever sees, that I never see, that Paul never sees, that Stephen never sees, I want to tell you there's one who sees it. There's one who sees it. He sees everything. And he sees the motivations of our hearts. And some of you are making incredible difference in this world. I can't point all out. There's many of you. 
make an inc- you have done over years, you've made an incredible difference for people's lives. How are we going to fill this building? How are we going to build this church? How are we going to fill this church? It ain't going to be because of my cracking preaching. It isn't going to be because of Stephen, your campus pastor's wonderful pastoral gift and teaching. This church is going to build through the sacrifice and through the service of the people of this church. Going and making a difference in the police force, in the accountant's offices, at the school, in the neighborhoods. Hello? On the golf course. Making a difference wherever we go. Making a difference. We are called to go and make a difference. You may say, Christian, how do you know this? Well, let me just give you a Bible verse, just a couple of Bible verses to hang this on, and then we'll just wrap it, wrap it up. In John 15, I wonder if you'd just turn in your Bibles if you've got them. If not, they'll come on the screen. But in the Gospel of John, in the New Testament, we see fairly well-known verses. If you've been around church, Jesus is talking and helping his followers to understand some things. And the essence of it is talking about, he's using the example of a gardener. He's using the example of a, of a vine and branches. And he starts to talk about how he wants us to be fruitful. And those areas in our lives that aren't fruitful, he'll cut. And those areas in our lives that are fruitful, he'll still cut. So we bear more fruit. And any gardeners out there, you know, you've got to do that. You can have a good harvest this year, but you've got to cut that tree. Why? Because next year, if you don't cut it, what? You won't get as much fruit. You've got to cut it back to get some more fruit. But this is what he says in John 15, verse 8. And then we'll flick to verse 11. He says this. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Then verse 11, I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. In other words, the Father's joy, God's joy, is when we are fruitful and productive and we actually then become complete. There's something about fruitfulness. There's something about action. There's something about focused activity. There's something about being a difference that brings completeness not only to us, but also to the Father. God is wanting to help us to see that His call, His mandate on us is that we go and make a difference. It would be amiss of me on a Father's Day Morning, to not say that dads and granddads and great-granddads, please keep going and making a difference to your families. Keep doing what you're doing. And for those who haven't got children, but would have loved children, you can still be, you know, such a blessing to kids in the right, in, in a world that's so twisted and so warped, you can just be such a blessing to kids. Out of purity. Do you hear what I'm saying? A pureness. You know, because I I just know that there has been an incredible attack, and I am using these words carefully, on manhood and on maleness. And we are all for women. If you're new here this morning, we love women. We love the fact that women are here, and you can fall out with me all you want, but I can prove it from the Bible. 
there, 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 is, there is no di- difference in a sense of, you know, can women function in leadership? Yes, they can. They can, and we, and we actively encourage them into leadership. But I also want to say there has been an assault on men in terms of trying to take our masculinity and our manhood and the fact that we are created and we are needed and we are needed in families and we are needed in relationships. Can I hear in our men? We are needed. The man is needed. Fathers are needed. And dads make an incredible difference. I see numbers of dads, numbers of granddads around the life of this church. And I think you do an incredible job. We don't always get it right, do we? Oh, I'm the only one. I don't always get it right, Caroline. But, you know, the fact is, it's all right, this is my wife. It's not just a random woman that I'm picking on. You know, and we have four children, but, you know, we just want to applaud men. And can I encourage you to go and make a difference, men? Make a difference. If you're married, make a difference to your wife. Make a difference. We're called to be priests. Providers, protectors as men in our homes. We co- that's what we're called to be. So we need to make a difference. We need to love our wives. The Bible instructs us we need to love our wives as Christ loved the church. Whoo, baby. Hey, some ladies, amen. That's what the Bible tells us. So we need to make a difference to our wives. We need to make a difference to our, to our kids. And let me tell you, you are making a difference but the point is God's wanting each of us to go and make a difference and this is to the father's glory that we will make a difference 1 Corinthians 12 verse 27 says this all of you together are Christ's body and each one of you is a part of it we're all part if we're followers of Christ of Christ's body And you are part of it. And there is no exceptions. Each of you have been mandated to go and make a difference wherever you are. There was a man, a Welsh missionary, who went to India to go and evangelize villages and towns in that part of North East India. And what happened as a result of him going, there was a convert who's nameless. We haven't got it. History doesn't record it. But there was a a man who came from the region of Assam and he converted to Christianity in the 19th century. And he was from this Hindu village. And as a result of him converting, he knew what the, the effects of that would be. Because it was actually a capital offence to follow Jesus. And this man repeatedly was asked to renounce his faith in Jesus and he wouldn't. And the chief and the leaders of that village brought him before the people. And they asked him, commanded him to renounce his faith. And this is what he started with. I have decided... To follow Jesus. They said we want you to renounce your faith. Otherwise we're going to execute your wife. And he then went on to say. No turning back. No turning back. They executed her. They asked him again. To renounce his faith. 
And his children, one by one, were slew. No turning back. No turning back. To, to the ultimate point of, they says you need to renounce your faith or you are going to be executed. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning. He was uttering the words as they were slaying him. As a result of that, this is history records. It's not just a thing. You, that's, there's a hymn around that. That's how we know this. As a result of that, a remarkable transformation happened in that village. The chief, as a result of seeing it, his faith in, G, in this Jesus that we didn't know, converted to Christianity. The leaders in the villages converted to Christianity. There was a great revival that swept around that area. We now got the hymn and we sing it. We sing it here. I have decided to follow Jesus. That's, that's the history behind that song. No turning back. No turning back. This is my point. This man determined that he was going to make a difference. And nothing was going to stop him. The reality is, many of us, most of us probably, are never going to be put into that kind of position where we're going to be killed for our faith. But I still maintain, we all need to have the spirit of this man that says, I am going to go and make a difference. No matter what, it costs me. I wonder if we'd bow our heads in prayer. I wonder if the guys would quickly come to the platform. We're going to enjoy some drinks and refreshments. Father, we thank you for your presence here. Thank you for what you're about. And in this moment, in this moment, in this decision, it's very, very holy. Very holy.